What's up, y'all, and welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have a woman with a unique gift. She's the founder of the I See You movement. She's an inspiring author, and she's a motivational speaker. I introduce to you, Isabel Hunt. From a little girl in Germany who sees life from a different lens, to a global phenom, to a two-time best-selling author, an inspirational speaker, a filmmaker, to God using your gift of discernment and reading people's hearts for not for fame or fortune, but for his glory. I want to begin at the beginning of your first experience or when you realize that you were seeing things in color or... Synesthesia? Yes. Yes. I do not remember uh, my first time because it was always part of my life. Um, I just, I was always very artistic. Um, I think I got that from my mother. She's very artistic. Who knows? She maybe have, has the same gift, just doesn't know it. Um, no, it was always part of my life. I just see, you know, numbers in different colors, letters, as cities, if I think of them. Uh, just by thinking of something, I see them in different or see whatever I'm thinking of in different colors. And so it always was part of my life. But the first time that I really could acknowledge it as a gift, as something that is unique to me and that I have for a greater purpose that I'm supposed to use for something bigger was about 10 years ago when I moved from, okay, 11 years ago now, uh, from Germany to the U.S., where I had to really re- evaluate who I was, um, my entire identity from, from, you know, being that German girl to now living in the U.S. and, and having to figure out how to live and work within a new culture. Um, that also stripped away my my religious understanding of the world. I grew up very conservative Lutheran and coming to the U.S. there was suddenly such a deconstruction uh, process going on in how I experienced the world and that's how I really was able to identify that synesthesia, that neurological difference as a spiritual gift in the way I connect with people on a soul level. Was it a huge culture shock for you moving from Germany to here? Um, no, it's funny because always people think that should be a big culture shock. You, When you move away from your home country, you expect it to be different. You expect it to, you know, you have to figure your way. The culture shock comes when you go back to your home country and they all moved forward and evolved. And then you go back after a couple of years and you're like, um... I don't know. Did that all change? Like, what happened here? <laughs> so the culture shock actually comes when you go back home. But I haven't been back home, honestly, in 10 years. So. Oh, really? Yeah, there was always something coming up. And we were going this October, but now they won't let in American travelers. So, I know. We've been banned. Isn't that funny? <laughs> we've been banned. So um, even though I'm German citizen, I will still not be able to get in because I haven't been in Germany for the last 10 years. So, yeah, we had to cancel that again, um, which sucks because my dad is getting remarried and my sister and my brother, they just had children. So it <laughs> would have been nice. Yeah. But yeah. 
So yeah, culture shock, um, I think what really happened was an identity crisis. It wasn't so much a culture shock, but an identity crisis when I moved here. I didn't feel German, I didn't feel American. I didn't feel like I, I always felt like I had to defend my identity. I always felt like I had to defend my Germanness um, to Americans. Like no matter what people told me, what stories they shared with me, I always had this slightly um, sarcastic response with, well, we in Germany, we do this better or we do this this way and it's better. Um, there was always this this fight, this internal fight to trying to conserve what I knew who I was uh, versus uh, just being and just integrating myself. That was a big struggle for me until I worked with one of my coaches through that. And he said, uh, your purpose and your calling is much bigger than the country. How can you free yourself from this war, from this internal war, by thinking about it in a different way? And that's when I started to really internalize and to understand that I am not just belong, that I don't just belong to a certain country because I grew up there or because I live there now. Um, I am, I identify as a world citizen. Um where there are no boundaries, no limitations, no uh, borders that keep me limited to who I am. I know we talked about it before, about you sharing what your family's reaction was when you told them, you know, knowing about your gift. Mm-hmm. Is any one of them, do you think, will be the more understanding than the other? I I think to them, it's just... Um, Isabel has always done things a little different. She's always a little crazy. So, well, that's just part of the crazy. Who cares? (laughs) I think that's that's kind of, um, I even like one day I was sharing about a, an accident that I had where I was trying to help my mom and we had really high bunk beds and it was about seven feet high bunk beds. They were high because the, 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 the ceiling was pretty high and we were four kids in, in one room or two rooms and, um, I fell backwards. I was trying to help my mom. I fell backwards from all the way to the top, from the top. I was like three or four, probably I was four, um, fell all the way backward on my back. And I remember being able to see the girl that was on laying on the floor. I, I watched my dad come running in, holding me because for a second there I couldn't breathe. And my mom calls me and was like, it wasn't that high. I'm like, mom, I said seven feet, not seven like meter or whatever. Just, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a curb. <laughs> so they do. So they do remember. Um, they do remember, uh, or they do check on what I say and, and my work. And but I, I don't know if they really think much about it. Um, to be honest, I never really ask them. They just say yes. Okay, we trust you. <laughs> This is a good job. <laughs> yeah. You're doing great. <laughs> That's right. As long as I'm still alive, they won't question it. <laughs> so far, I've done well for myself. So the title, The Leader's Heart Decoder, where did that come from? Um, that came from a lovely French girl who does uh, personality and branding work and um she just really asked me so how would you like what would be a title for what you do and I'm like oh no how to to say that or how to even define that because it's just so complex and so she asked me to share my my gift with her and what I actually do and um and so the colors that I see especially when it comes to people 
is not the aura. It's not the color that people can see around people. It's directly coming from the heart center. And the heart center is, is the gateway, the connection to our soul and guided through our or by our emotions, by our emotional world, if we do understand their actual messages. Um, so the color that I see around the heart center um, of people changes according to their emotional state, whatever they're experiencing in the moment or what their soul is trying to help them understand. But for whatever reason, consciously, they can't just fathom it or just not receiving the message. And so I told her that and she's like, well, you're decoding the hearts um, of people. And by them really understanding how their heart is communicating with them and, and the depth of their intuition, you turn you 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 are enforcing the leader within them. I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds good. And that's how she came up with the the leader's heart decoder term. Like, I really like that. Really resonates. I love it. I'll use it. So I've been using it for the last, I think, three years or so. Now you also started a beautiful movement called hashtag I see you movement. Yes. Can you share what that's about? Um, that goes very much um, hand in hand with my gift where I really just want to encourage people to connect more on a soul level. That doesn't mean that we cannot see or acknowledge challenges that people experience, but more so focusing on the individual rather than the label or the box. Uh, um, I'm a sociologist, so, you know, I... <laughs> I got my knowledge from statistics and empirical studies, but when I finished my studies, I, I mean, I love human behavior and psychology. I've, I've done, I've gotten into that ever since I was 12. Um, that's when my dad was getting his degree in social work. So I just studied with him kind of, um, but something was missing. I always felt that it was too superficial, too much uh, surface level, uh, labeling that just didn't resonate with me on a heart level. And over the last years in particular, I realized how much uh, we believe from a scientific perspective that is really helpful, that helps us understand each other better, and it helps us to find better solutions if we create categories and, and labels and, you know, do all those research, when in reality, it's actually dividing us a great deal. And I just didn't, I, I just, especially coming to a new country, you have people that that are totally different in their thinking and their traditions and their culture. And I just really wanted to, to understand how can we connect with each other beyond those cultural barriers that we have created because of labels, because of history, because of generational trauma and childhood trauma as well. Um, and that's how that movement came to be, where I really wanted to to invite people to to really see each other and seeing is probably not just um, like with that really, truly seeing comes hearing, listening, just listen to people. You don't have to diminish their experience just because it doesn't align with yours or just because it doesn't um match what you experience from your perspective just simply be with people see them acknowledge them acknowledge what they go through and allow them the space to be seen um, and that's another challenge because a lot of people say well i just want to be seen but really if we're really honest most people just want the attention um, of what they how they want to 
want to um, be perceived, uh, the reputation that they want to hold up to. But the minute really someone sees them and asks the deeper questions that when usually people shut down, like, well, not that deep, not that deep. So that's kind of become my mission um, for seeing people, helping people to be more comfortable in being seen, truly having this this soul connection, imagining physical matter being gone, just us being those energy waves, you know, um, just really connecting on a soul level. But then again, taking the time to do that. So there's those, those two sides of it. Um, a lot of uh, what we experience is this is part of who I am has become an idol. Uh, if it's um, our skin color, is it, uh, you know, our job, money, what we have, the material things, um, our belief system, our religion, you know, all those things um, for many has become such a strong identity of who I am that every time someone questions anything or goes against what you think you believe or where you belong, we're not really actually sitting and seeing, we're just in defensive mode. What are you mm -hmm. going to say that could take away my part of my or a part of my identity? The most powerful people are those who can sit in stillness within their calling. Um, those who don't run to the microphone right away and say, here I am and I am the one who will produce change. But those who can sit in stillness and be okay with not um, like really waiting for, for their turn. I, <laughs> I, I think I send out, oh, I'm going to send out a newsletter to my email list um, where I also mentioned something. I, I used to work with international students, exchange students at my university, and it was always loud. You know, you have 10 different languages spoken, uh, but I never was able to get their attention when I was just saying, um, everyone quiet or you scream in the room. But I got their attention when I was very quiet and just looked at them like nothing else, just being quiet and looking at them. That's when they suddenly like, oh, something is not right. I should probably pay attention. And, and that's why I say the most powerful people are those who can sit still and can be in silence and wait for the time um, when they when they're called to step forward, to move forward, to say something, you know, whatever that looks like. And some of the most powerful activists might actually be the ones who stay in the background, who are not in the forefront, who really do the the back uh, backstage work, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and those the are the, the ones... work, yes. Yes, and those are the ones who are not attached to the cause. They're attached to their being there they they understand um to to sit in that place of love and and compassion and and um acceptance there's nothing for you to do just your present is what creates the activism or the the art of activism and those are those are the people who really want to to look for solutions, who really want to embrace change and not just want to talk about it. There's a big difference um, because they're not attached to it. They're not attached to the outcome. They are not attached to what happens if we find solutions. Is there suddenly my calling gone? No, they just understand that their calling is related to who they are, to who they are being. Um, and therefore can sit in that space, you know, and that's a very, very, very powerful place to be in. Now, if you could only 
be one of these things, an inspirational speaker, a psychologist, or a certified transformation coach, which one would you be and why? <laughs> um, I already set aside the, the coach for a while uh, because the industry itself, I just didn't really um, resonate with it much anymore. It was just too much blah, 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 and nothing really else behind it. Um, it's just me. It just didn't really click with my heart anymore. So I think I would choose the speaker because the sociologist is already embodied <laughs> within <laughs> me. It's my thinking. It's my, um, you know, the, the divinely downloaded uh, message that I often receive. So I think I would definitely do um, the inspirational speaker for one. I love uh, being on stage and just connecting with people. I even just love being on stage and not saying a word and just looking at people. It's actually a very powerful thing to do, just like in a classroom. Um, it, just connecting with the people uh, from, from the stage and just understanding their thought process or why did they come or what do they want to hear. It's it's almost like um, playing um a beautiful song with an orchestra, you know, you understand, okay, I can use this tool, or I can, I can talk like this with this audience. It's just very much work in the moment. You never know what comes out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what it is for me. Like, even when I do interviews, people always ask me, what did you talk about? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I cannot I don't remember. What I said. But stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So you never really have a prescripted um, speech before you speak. It's oh just... no, I do. My oh, my ego okay. my ego is is a little like there is this this sweating point <laughs> okay. where I need to write it out like word for word. Uh, so I feel like I have a foundation to stand on. But the funny thing is, usually when I do get on stage or when I do have interviews or supposed to to do a workshop or something, um, I have it there, but it barely ever does it go the way I wrote it down. <laughs> right. Because that's where your heart leads you. Yeah, there, there's still some, you know, some insecurity inside of me. Like, if I don't prepare that, then, oh, what if I don't know the words? What if I can't think of what I want to say or just have a black, you know, like a, a brain fart in that very moment and just everything goes black? And that, that's related to a, um, a teenage trauma experience where I was supposed to hold a speech or a, a presentation in English and I had an absolute breakdown, emotional, physical breakdown in front of the entire class. That was very traumatic. Oh. So that's where it still comes from, where I'm like, I need to be prepared. But then once I'm on stage, I just um, ask for divine guidance, for protection, you know, that I do not take everything on people throw at me. Because when you have, you know, even if it's just five people in front of you or a thousand people, they, the energy that is this a steer toward you is very strong there's expectation yes. there's judgment you know and if I wouldn't protect myself energetically and emotionally and, and just really do my work before I go on stage I would have a brain fart I would not know what to say because my brain would be so overstimulated that it just shuts down into an anxiety into attack and so um but yeah so so in the moment I just I just go on stage and I'm just present and then I get off and yeah. So tell me about your, um, your book that you've written, well, your several of the books that you've written. 
Well, I actually wrote just one. The other one was uh, co-authored um, with a couple different authors. But the one that I wrote that is dear to my heart is called The Power of Faith-Driven Success. I wrote that five years ago. Um, I just, uh, five years, my son was turning two that year. And for some reason, I always felt like, what if something were to happen to me? Uh, would he know how I want him to see the world, how I want him to experience people or know himself. And um, that was kind of the the pushing point for me to write something. But then I sat here and I didn't know what to write and what um, angle to, to look at it from that perspective. And and so um, there was a time where I wanted to give up. It's actually a beautiful story. I'll share it real quick. Um, I started writing and halfway through, it just didn't click. I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't think I want to write a book. This is just too dragging. It doesn't feel right. I think mm-hmm. I'm missing something. And so one morning I usually got up at three to write um, because, well, if your child is still, when your child is still that young, it wins a lot of attention <laughs> Right. Um, during the day. So I, I got downstairs it was a Saturday morning and my husband was making breakfast with my son sitting at the table and I said okay I'm not going to write this book I don't think it's worth it it takes too much time to what to write and he's like really are you sure you put so much work into it I'm like yeah no it's not gonna work it's not gonna be anything good and while we were sitting there and trying to eat my son pointed outside the, the on on the patio and he's like look mommy look mommy uh, and we both looked at each other and my husband looks at me and like, did you just feel that? I'm like, yeah. And we both looked outside and they were sitting three hawks on the railing, three. And you don't really see them in a pack ever. No. Um, especially not in a suburban neighborhood. Um, like we have a lot of neighbors, so it's not mm-hmm. like we're close to any big fields. Um but suddenly I, I felt like I had this this incredible download of information and knowledge and just uh, things that I wanted to write. And so I said, OK, I, I think for some reason they they came to 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 give me a message because I believe everything is connected, nature, animals and everything can be in one way or another an inspiration, something that that helps you to understand a certain message and what you're supposed to share or who you are, you know. And I sat back down writing the book and for two weeks, all three of them stayed outside on our willow tree, uh, flying around every day. They showed up in front of my work on my office window. And uh, once I was done with it and sent it to my editor, they were also gone. And ever since I usually have like one, one come every time I feel like I need to make a decision or something big is happening, like with the documentary, uh, that's when when one shows up again. Wow, so, that's pretty that's, powerful. That's how I wrote the book. That's how it came wow. to be. I mean, what five years it... later, I learned so much where I think like maybe I should do an edited version, but then I keep hearing, nope, leave that because the people who need to hear it were are at the level that you were at five years ago when you wrote it, so they understand it. So I'll leave it. My, my son, actually, he's six now and he started reading it, so. Oh. <laughs> I know he's he always loves being part of my work Katie that's good your biggest fan that's good so you just mentioned your documentary um so what was your inspiration for that the documentary is called the power of connection change the world by changing your perception um it came about uh, well 
the inspiration was frustration. <laughs> I, by the end of uh, last year or mid last year, I was just so frustrated uh, in 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 my work and my business. It nothing really felt aligned. I just want to do something different. I felt like I was just talking against walls and nothing really seemed to stick that much, even though I have been in business for the last eight, nine, ten years, actually. And um, it just nothing felt right. I felt like I had to just scrap everything and just quit. And one night, uh, my husband said, but you you have all that content, all the speeches, you know, you need to do something with them. I'm like, well, yeah, but what? I mean, I don't know what to. I'm tired of, of waiting for permission from other people to share it on the stage. Um, and he's like, well, you don't have to. What if you turn it into a documentary? And I look at him like, yeah, right, because I have so much film experience. It's great. Like, I mean, great idea. But for one, I don't have the budget. And second, I don't even know how that would look like. And I didn't quite toss away the idea. I fell asleep. And then the next morning I meditated and suddenly I had this entire script in front of me. I was like, oh, my, I need to get to writing. And I started writing it out and it was a, a combination of a couple different speeches that I had written over the last years that suddenly became one story. Just like that, it became one story. And and so two days later, I posted it on, on Facebook. I said, I have this really stupid and crazy idea. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I want to do this documentary about this topic. It's supposed to be called this and this. And this is basically the story. I don't know, like, does anyone know how I could get some grants or some, some like, a budget for that? Because we're also, uh, we also want to adopt. So most of our finances are pretty much ripped up in that whole process because, well, you know, it's like thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to adopt. So mm. I'm like, yeah, hmm. uh, we can use that for the documentary for sure. Uh, but my husband was behind it, behind me and, and really just saying, just do it, figure it out. And well, it wasn't even a week and I had people reach out saying, hey, I know someone who might be able to help you with the filming. And I reached out to him and he's like, oh, my gosh, I was just praying that God will show me some passion project that I can do. And, wow. and he's been doing that for 30 years. Then, you know, I was connected with someone else who's done script writing for many years. And she's like, hey, if you need help with that, let me know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is really going to happen. And then there was a cinematographer. Um, we had been connected for a while, but never really, like, talked to each other. And he's like, hey, I, I've done that. I've done a couple documentaries. I love what you are up to. I would love to be part of that. And I'm like, yeah, I can't pay them. So I wouldn't even respond to it. I mean, he's been doing that for a couple of years. <laughs> right. And the cinematographer costs you quite some money. Mm -hmm. uh, but he kept, be, he kept being on my butt. He's like, I'm serious. Like, if you want help with that, I would love to do it. Here's some information so for legal stuff that you need to consider. And, you know, like a pitch deck and how to find potential investors and uh, I was like, all right, well, I can't pay you. You already know that. Do you? Are you sure you want to do that with me? And he's like, yes, I'm on board. I'll do that. Uh, over the last year, we added, we're up to eight people now with um, two videographers, cinematographer, scriptwriter, actually two scriptwriters, and um, uh, assistant editor and animator. So, wow. um, and, and all of them volunteered their services, their talent, and KJ, our cinematographer, which... I work with closely now because we're at the stage where we're done mostly with filming and just um, really do the editing. We were just nominated for the Impact Award 
But KJ said, you know, Isabel, your documentary is about the power of connection. And it really goes into, it, it starts out with a story uh, when I dated a black guy back when I came, when I was like 20, first, when I first came to the U.S. for the first time. And there was just so much prejudice and biases in my head and stories that I kept it on a long arm, you know, like, don't come any closer because I know all those stories about black people. And mm -hmm. That's what, what we've seen on TV in Germany. So, you know, um, and it never really felt right to me. And so I had to really examine it. it. never really let me go either. I knew the story will become eventually something bigger. And well, it did. Um, and so we're examining that story and, and the prejudice and the biases that show up within every single one of us. And then we're taking it into the subconscious through a metaphor where we use an old house and behind every door is a different part of our subconscious programming from education to religion to uh, social programming, you know, and we're examining that within um, our subconscious much deeper and, and make it very visual uh, through animation and talking about emotional awareness. So that's where where I really what I really love talking about and, and getting into is the cultural transformation through self-awareness and emotional awareness from a spiritual perspective. Um, and so that's what we're doing with a documentary. And then we're getting back out of the, the subconscious into our conscious reality um, and really drawing out, okay, this is what we all have to think about when we, if we really want to create a shift. And, you know, a year ago, we didn't know what's going to happen this year. Right. Uh, we just started working on it, whatever, you know, eventually it would come to something. And then, of course, COVID happened. Now the whole discussion about about discrimination and racism and oppression is happening. And we just all look at each other and like, oh my gosh, this was meant to be, you know that. I'm like, yeah, I never expected that this would be so perfect, such an incredible timing um, to really take a look at that, um, at, at, at who we are as an individual from, from that perspective. And yeah, and KJ said, you know, your project is one of those examples where, um, where we weren't just low budget. We didn't have any budget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but something so beautiful is coming to to reality into reality. It's it's just such a beautiful example where talented people come together for a greater good, for for something bigger than themselves, where there's nothing in it for them, you know? Where they know they won't make millions with that, uh, at least not now. Maybe in, you know, you, you don't know how it will all unfold. Maybe God is saying, well, now I'm going to bless you and now you can pay them. That would be right. really great. Um, and I'm really kind of expecting that I'm setting the intention for this um, to happen uh, because they deserve it. <laughs> the work that they put in was is incredible and was incredible. Uh, but it's just such a beautiful example how how like-minded people come together without any expectation and just sharing their gifts in such an incredible way. Uh, every day I'm so grateful and, and, and my heart just is so full um, of gratitude for how things unfolded and still unfolding. And it's been incredible. Yeah. So we're hoping um, that we can launch it this fall. We're hoping that people are actually open to solutions past the angry fighting stage that we're in right now and actually able to listen and take responsibility for themselves so that we can break the system so that we that we no longer um 
live within the system that that has served only a few for so so many years where we can break free from the understanding of uh well if i if i want to win someone else has to lose and i'm not the loser so with that mindset we always have this battle this power struggle going on so we're we're really hoping and praying that by fall winter people are more open to to saying okay wait a minute we need to stop this we can create win-win situations for everyone worldwide if we just start with ourselves and examine internally what has identified or with what have we identified over all those years, what are things that we need to break up and let go and the programming and the belief system, you know? So that's the goal, the power of connection. Yeah. We're hoping. I watched the trailer and the trailer itself is pretty powerful. Yes, I love what KJ did with it. Yeah, because you truly don't know where it's going. And just from watching the trailer and then as it unfolds, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, we want to launch it with a big online launch of the people who donated, you know, who participated. There are hundreds of people who participated in this whole thing. We did a social study um, locally here that is integrated in the documentary. And so they get to watch it online with us. Mm-hmm. And then we're creating a website where people can watch it based on donations we don't know quite how, but that helps us to just offset the costs over the last year. Um, and then I want to take it to universities and, and colleges in particular to have screenings and then Q&As, like really getting into the conversation itself. How can we connect deeper? How can we go beyond the physical barriers that we see, the, the, the physical um, separations that we have created and really understand more of the spiritual side of who we are so that we can create a better future, not just for us, but for everyone. Yes. So what is your personal mission statement? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I feel like that always changes. <laughs> Darn it. You could have warned me before you asked that question. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> my personal mission statement um oh i never even know how to define a mission statement um but i think um to explain it in a very clumsy way and non-professional way my mission is to um to help people understand the beauty of of soul connections you know um when people when I talk to people, most of the time I get the response of finally someone who gets it or who gets me. Just uh, in that moment, I probably haven't even done anything, you know, mm-hmm. just by being present with people. And my mission is to to help people slow down and step outside of the matrix that we have so beautifully created for the benefit of a few Um so that we can feel oneness, so that we can feel connection and oneness with all that is, including nature and animals, so that we can create a a deeper uh, level of respect for each other, for Mother Earth, for, you know, for every creature, really. And just acknowledging that seeing divine in, in each and every one. So what advice would you give someone who has a gift but isn't sure how to hone it. 
Um, it takes time to slow down. Um, everyone has some gift. Uh, if you are a unique expression of God, of the divine, then then you're here for a purpose and you do have a gift. And that could be a words, you know, that could be music. That could just be how you how you are with people. It could be your hugs, you know. They might be like really special. People might really feel that. Um, it could be healing, you know, gift. There's so many different gifts. And I think uh, the first thing I always say to people is start meditating. Start out with 15 minutes at least a day. And after the first week, you go into an hour of meditation um, a day if you do it before you go to bed. And just ask, like really get to a state where you can just be almost like you're suddenly shot into space and there you are. There is space of nothing. You're just floating. And then you ask the question, um, God, divine, what am I supposed to do with that purpose, with that gift that I feel I have? How can I develop it? And the more we listen, the more you will understand or see, okay, there are people being brought into your life that can support you in defining that. There are books that suddenly keep showing up in your life. It's about observation. What are um, synchronicities? What are things that keep showing up um, after you ask for help? You don't get it by God writing a story in your notebook saying, hey, this is exactly your purpose. Now go run with it. <laughs> it's a discovery journey. It's an adventure. And as soon as you can acknowledge it for that, you'll have fun with it. Because then you look for synchronicities, you know, you look for people. And and it's about trust. Like if you do see someone that really resonates with you or you read something, and even if there's an investment involved, trust in that. I've Oh my gosh, I fought that for so long. But the minute I said, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll pay for that, even though it doesn't feel good right now. I always got it back tenfold. Yes. Every, every single time. Yes. And that is God saying, well, thank you for trusting me. Or About time. The universe, right? <laughs> um, just run with it. And that's how the documentary uh, does establish that. People's like, how were you so brave to even get out? I'm like, I don't know. I just did it. Like, I just got it. I just did it. I showed up. And this is what's happening. I'm not really doing too much. It's it's all just flowing. Um and I'm, every day I'm surprised, like amazed, like, oh my gosh, did that really just happen? Like, how did that just come into my life? Or what's happening here? And it's kind of fun. If you make it fun and you're open and not attached to how you think this is supposed to look like, or, uh, you know, if, there are a lot of people who think I have this gift. Now I have to understand my calling and my purpose. And then they become famous. That's not the case. Like, this is not aligned with your soul if that is your if that's what you're striving for you probably won't figure it out for a long time now um how can people contact you um the easiest is through my website isabelhunt.com i-s-a-b-e-l-h-u-n-d-t.com because that's where i have all the information from the book um to the film um how to like, people can contact me through the website i've yeah, pretty much everything. It's easiest really is the website. And it's just one website to remember. Unless you want to go directly to the documentary website, that's thepowerofconnection.net. Okay, awesome. Well, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed you. You are so sweet. The way you look at everything, and which is what you do anyway, but just the way you look at everything, <laughs> it's pure. It's not tainted. It's not it's it's not filtered it's it's it is what it is and which is rare because p- 
people nowadays are so busy trying to put up this front of what they want people to see them as mm-hmm. versus of what they really are. And what they really are is so much more beautiful than what they're trying to be. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to the place to, quite frankly, give a shit what people think about me. Yeah. Sorry. Is that? Oh, uh, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. It took me a long time to get to the place of, of not being attached. And I think I will need it, especially once the documentary gets out. There yes. will be people who are like, oh, this sucks or this is stupid, you know, and I can't take that personally. And looking at it, at, at life or at, at the world the way I do, I don't have to take that personally. I can just acknowledge, okay, uh, it didn't resonate with them. That's cool with me. I know what I did, I was supposed to. And it's something that is created on the foundation of love. It's not something to convey a an opinion. Um, it really is, is a documentary where I allow people to discover themselves. And whatever that is for them is for them and not for me. I'm not telling them, this is how you should be doing life. So you're going to be successful. It's not what it's about. So... I'm not attached to how people think about it. Yes. And any new venture that you do, you're going to get criticized, yeah. you know, and it, it's sad and it's hurtful, especially when it comes from people you're closest to. Yeah. But as long as, like you said, as long as you're doing what God has led you to do, you will find some peace within those criticisms. Yeah. Yeah. You just look at, okay, now I see where you are. And I still love you, but now I see you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, interestingly enough, like even if you look at my Facebook um, profile, uh, when I have some controversial uh, topics, uh, most people are very respectful. I think people know not to mess with me. <laughs> it's like, oh, but I'm not messing with her. I'm going to be she's, all nice. <laughs> she's not the one. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have one last question for you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you could have any theme song be your song when you walk into a room, what would it be and why? Um, <laughs> I don't listen to radio and I don't listen to um, n- like normal music, I guess. If I were to walk into a room, I want this like epic, heroic kind of a soundtrack music playing. Okay. <laughs> That's what I want because um I'm um, I'm a warrior. Like the, the 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 spirit of a warrior um is very present in me and yeah, I do I would like to walk in like that. <laughs> you want a Marvel theme song. There we go. Yes. I got it. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. I know I, you have a busy schedule ahead of you, so I'm not going to hold you up too long. Thank you so much, Remy. This was really a great conversation. I, thank I you. It's great. Thank you, Isabel, for being on my show. You truly have the sweetest heart. Thank you for sharing your gift with the world. And if you would like to be a worldly church girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And you need to subscribe. I keep saying this week after week, you keep listening, but you're not subscribing. Hit that subscription button and you'll never miss another episode. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.